Welcome to Currents, your leading global voice of maternal feminism. As maternal feminists, we are inviting you to join us using our voices in the public square for the things that deeply matter, our faith, our families, and our maternal identities. The Currents podcast aims to gather women who are deliberate thinkers and women who are prepared to engage as powerful forces for good in our homes, our communities, and our world. Hello and welcome back to the Big Ocean Women's Podcast. I am Kim Landine and I'm here with Carolina Allen and we are your hosts for today's episode. Hi, Carol. How are you? So good, Kim. How are you? So good. I am always, I love this. So it's super early morning here in Alaska and there's something about just sitting down in front of this computer screen and getting to talk with you that like totally makes my day and makes me go on a full on philosophical circle like all day long. But I love it. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying your view just from oh. <laughs> beautiful pine trees in Alaska. And I'm just like, Kim, you get to live there every day. So I know. It's insane. If I was sitting in front of my other window, you would start seeing my garden. I've been listening to oh. our last episode, the or our episode last month about gardening and taking care of the earth and earth stewardship. My hands have been like covered in just just soil and just dirty. It's, it's been amazing, but, um, your property's looking good by the way, talking about our stewardship. Yep. Yep. Just working, plugging away too. just lots of gardening and beat up hands, sore back. (laughs) I'm feeling my age, (laughs) (laughs) which is what? 31. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Right. That's awesome. Well, if you don't follow Carolina on social media or me, feel free to jump on our Facebook accounts. Um, Carolina Allen, Kim Bonnie Landine, I believe is what it is. Um, and we post about Big Ocean Women, our day-to-day lives, and really the thing that is absolutely most important to us, which is motherhood, which is super cool that we get to talk about today. Yeah. We're actually talking about our tenant. We are empowered by our feminine nature and biology, and we honor our procreative power. And in today's conversation, we're going to be focusing more on our feminine nature and what that means to Carol and I as mothers. Yep. It's a great topic. It and is. I think like close to Mother's Day, at least for the United States, um, you know, it can be fraught with a lot of feelings, big feelings, feelings of inadequacy, feelings of loss. And I hope that this episode today, you know, that it can inspire and spark, you know, um, just gratitude for yourselves, for anybody listening, any woman listening, that this is for you and that you're included in this. And so maybe to kick us off, Kim, do you want to read what our big ocean um, definition of mother is? Because I think it's Absolutely. Yeah. So the definition that big ocean uses for what it means to be a mother is we believe that every woman, um, regardless of of actual biological mothering standards, but every woman who has the best interest of the rising generation at heart and willingly gives of herself to nourish and protect the rising generation is a mother. So that includes so many different women, um, but it really kind of hits at the heart of what we feel like a mother is, which really is that ability to focus on the rising generation. And we've covered it before in past episodes when we talked about self-care and um, I believe that was our episode in January. I can go back and reference or find a reference point for that. But having the ability to self-sacrifice for the rising generation, we believe is really what makes a woman a mother. 
and I feel like that's at the heart of what true power is. Um, and I think in today's standards, like the word sacrifice, like to put yourself kind of in the background so that something else can flourish and grow, um, has become a really bad thing. Um, but I, I want to highlight it as a really good and powerful thing. Um, and so the word sacrifice has kind of become a dirty word and I want to bring it to the forefront of our conversation today because, um, there's so much that hinges on that and there's so much to uncover there, so much beauty, so much strength, so much power, and so much influence that is jointly connected to, you know, the idea of sacrifice, of putting yourself, you know, putting something else before yourself um, that I think is at the heart of mothering. And so, Absolutely. and it, it really goes, goes back to our, you know, our biology. So even if we start at the very beginning of that transformative experience that makes a girl, you know, kind of transition into a woman is menstruation. Um, for a majority of the women of the world, you know, that is the biological chemical component that creates that, you know, maturation, right? Absolutely. Where you transition from being a little girl, um, you know, to a young woman and then to a mature woman. And that element, you know, for a majority of the women of the world from the very start is something that's incredibly fraught with hardship, with second class citizenship, with, you know, uh, stigma, stigma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even sure, from, though, that's, that's kind of, you know, something about our biological nature that, you know, sets the tone or this other really powerful thing that happens down the road. Um, and it's one of those things that socially is just depending on your home environment and the society that you're raised in can be viewed in so many different ways. Right. Um, but one of the things we like to do at Big Ocean Women is reframe. And Carol, I remember hearing the story of one of your oldest daughters starting menstruation and what happened with your son. And I was just super impressed with the culture that you've created within the ecosystem of your home that led to the, not only like the acceptance of this menstruation, but really like the celebration of it. Will you tell me that? Will you tell us our listeners that story? Yes. I can remember it like it was yesterday. So we were living in this cute little historic home on Center Street at the time. It, we call it our little happy yellow house because it was yellow. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table and my two kids are going to this homeschool Commonwealth school together at the time. and. Um, they barged through the doors because we're part of this little carpool. And so they came in and I was sitting at the table and my son, Elijah, um, currently now like 21, I can't even believe he's that old. Um, he runs to the door and he's like, mom, mom, you're sitting down. I'm so glad you're sitting down, mom. You're not going to believe this. This is just the coolest thing. You're not going to believe this. So I'm like, what, what is it? What happened at school? And then He's kind of like shielding his sister, like in the background. And then he's like, mom, are you serious? Okay, you're sitting down. I'm so glad. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> and then he kind of ushers Olivia in and like, uh, like, like some royalty. And he's like, okay, Olivia, come over. And so he like goes and gets her from the living room and then like ushers her into me to the kitchen table. And he just like, it just has the biggest grin on his face. And he's like, go ahead, Oli. Tell mom, tell mom what it is. And I'm like, what is it? <laughs> mom, 
I started my period today. And he's like, Mom, Olivia, she's growing into be a woman. Oh my gosh. It was like it was like this presentation that her older brother did for her. And I was just like floored. I'm like, Olivia. And she was just all bashful and like had like she had won some award, you know, like on her face. Like she was just all this humble, like Yes, I started it in class. And I'm like, well, then we have so much to talk about. And and we had been working. Celebrate. Yeah, to celebrate. And it was just like, so here I am with my two older kids. And we're sitting at the table together. And her brother is just beaming. It actually chokes me up because how I wish every girl had that kind of a welcome, welcoming into motherhood, into, into womanhood, you know, from men and their community. Absolutely. And I just remember that as being a very sacred experience in our family that I thought, okay, I've done a lot of things wrong. <laughs> I've made a lot of moves as a mom, but this is a win, you know, that in our family, that that is what was celebrated with so much joy. Like, and her brother saw that, that her, you know, her having appeared was the beginning of all of these other relationships she would have and that he would be a part of like, one day my sister will become a mom and I will become an uncle. And it was like this whole world was opened. Like our family is going to continue on and on and on. And I'm a part of that. So it was really celebrated. And um, I just love that. It's, I'm glad that you reminded me to share that. So yeah, that was, I remember hearing that for the first time and hopefully our listeners are getting us a very similar feeling, but I have two young daughters um, we're hopefully at least a decade still away from menstruation there or, or less, like we're three and five at this point. And so I, I heard that story a couple of years ago and I already am planning and my day-to-day actions about talking about menstruation and my own menstruation and my own journeys. I'm trying to focus on not being unrealistic because there are challenges clearly that come with menstruation. Um, but trying to be focused on how that sacrifice leads to growth, both personally and as our family and the joy of what that is. And I'm already seeing my dogs now in heat still. Um, This is, I think this is like three weeks later. So apparently dogs have really long heat cycles. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's that, but I guess when I, like I mentioned it two months in a row, like it's a long one, but like talking about it and the way we're talking about it with our dog and how cool this is and how we handle menstruation with my, with our dog versus what, how our daughters are going to handle it. I'm already prepping them to have that experience yep. because I want that to be a celebrated time of life. The time when they do recognize that they're coming into womanhood, a time when they're recognizing their ability to create, which is such a divine power. Oh, My yeah. definition of divinity is something of creation and, mm-hmm. a, and like a loving creator um, with that nuance being loving and so like I'm prepping them for that and I'm excited for that for them. Yeah. Um, and I and wish so I love everyone it. around the world, all young girls and, and women had that kind of celebration and dignity Absolutely. in their menstruation. That isn't the case, clearly. And one of the important things I forgot to mention is that like we had been working on Days for Girls menstrual hygiene kits, you know, as a family and as big ocean women. My kids have always been involved in all these humanitarian service projects. And one of the times that my girls had done it, they had picked out their own bag, um, which is this beautiful hand-sewn kit. And it has, um, you know, these reusable liners and underwear. And we had talked about when you have your period, you get to use this first. They had made it themselves. And I think that it's important for them to 
feel what it's like to be, you know, a girl and, and a woman, you know, menstruating and what that may look like for women around the world. And so I think that we kind of are extremely um, privileged in a way to have the, you know, the financial opportunities and the resources to make menstruation not a big deal. But to right. many women around the world, it really keeps them from attending school. It keeps them from living in society um, and, and in, you know, engaging in society because they just literally have to sit and wait until the cycle is over. And so I think that um, understanding that as, a, as, as women collectively, that that is really important. You know, um, and so we, they, she used her kit, you know, for several weeks and then, um, several cycles. And then, you know, we talked about using other things and whatnot, but it really gave her an appreciation, like a very physical, you know, um, like where you have to wash your pads and you understand what that is. And it's, you know, you're scrubbing it with your hands in the shower and she just like, um, all of those things made it very real and um, and just a gratitude for what we have and a commitment Absolutely. to want to improve that for women around the world. Absolutely. And I love really that. It, then yeah. we just are disconnected from their reality. Oh, absolutely. You mentioned Days for Girls. Days for Girls was started by a lady for our listeners, was started by a lady named Celeste Mergens. And she actually just barely released a book, I want to say as of like last month, called The Power of Days, A Story of Resilience, Dignity, and the Fight for Women's Equity. I love um, it. And it's the founder of Days for Girls International. Yeah. She's amazing. Incredible lady. And, you know, Celeste has agreed to come on the podcast. Celeste, if you're listening to this, I'll be reaching out um, because her view and her her own history with menstruation, from my understanding, from the stories I've listened to, was not a very positive beginning. And yet from that from that struggle, from that sacrifice, she has created something, an international something that is so massively helping the women of our world deal with the biological reality of menstruation in all of the facets and of all of the social situations. The education that is being shared through Days yeah. for Girls and the entrepreneur, um, you know, small um, little enterprises all over the world giving women empowerment, um, you know, definitely. And biologically, you know, absolutely, it's, it's an amazing model. So definitely go check that out, um, listeners. If you haven't heard of Days for Girls, absolute amazing model, as Carolina saying. And you know, we definitely honor that partnership between us and Days for Girls because that is it. Really, is what Big Ocean is about is this womanhood and all the different facets and the nuances. I um, mean, this definitely is part of that. Um, another part, Carol, is being a mother is out of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I think that lays the foundation um, because, and and one one reason why I will never ever stop talking about biological reality, is because women deal with it every single day, and, yeah. and it all starts with our menstruation. And I refuse to be called a menstruator or a menstruating person. I think that it, it's extremely extremely. Um, offensive and it's kind of gaslighting. It's like psychologically, you know, gaslighting millions of women around the world that, um, that you just can't pick up and just divorce yourself from your biological reality. Like it's just, it's completely absurd 
you know, um, and it's part of, it's part of our experience. It's part of our, you know, incredible history on this planet. And, um, it's really important and it sets the tone for so much. So if there's empowerment there from that foundation, then it just carries over and carries over and carries over. And, and, um, you know, the biological, you know, um, evolution of life is you start with menstruation and then hopefully there's empowerment there. And when there's empowerment there, then there's empowerment in other, you know, relationships that progress. So the relationship with intimacy and the beauty that can be had in our procreative power and who, who, you know, that we get to decide, you know, who is a part of that process. Um, that nobody, nothing is forced upon us, that we get to be very um, careful and meticulous um, gatekeepers of that power. And once that, you know, if there's empowerment there, then it's, you know, built upon that foundation. And then there's empowerment in birth, you know, in, in um, that we have a say in our birthing experience and how we birth. And that we're not, you know, taken over by, you know, getting bullied and pushed around in the medical world, because um, that happens to a lot of women. Um, if they have the privilege of even having a hospital, like you have, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, like maternal health care is just another added layer to that. Once we have babies, and then, and then, if there's empowerment there, then it just carries over into how we, you know. Um, mother our children and in our influence upon them. And so all of these things can can be built upon and built upon and built upon. And if if women like if we step into that power and link arms as sisters, then the rest of society has to start shifting their perspective and worldview on who women are and the power and the strength that we have. And I've said this before, and this is the very genesis of Big Ocean. From the very, very beginning, I was asking myself this question, what is true power? What is true power? And I've come to the conclusion that the highest level of power is influence. If you look at all of the, all of the many ways that we're being marketed to on a daily basis um, through these you know, social media algorithms and, and just the kind of marketing that's done to buy our attention, to buy our, you know, economic spending, um, our time, everything is to influence us to do certain things, to nudge us in these directions. I mean, that's what AI is at the heart of it, is to really kind of learn. AI, artificial intelligence, um, yeah. something that we track closely at Big Ocean Women because of the lack of normal like reality that exists within that space. So for the listeners, we will talk about that all the time. Yeah. And so anyway, there's, there's consistent like nudging us to think certain ways, to believe certain things, to act in certain ways, to say certain things. So that, that is influence. Okay. So at the very highest order, women, because of our, of our biological uniqueness and capacity to sacrifice for the rising generation. Okay. The long-term um, consequence of that kind of sacrifice is influence because when we speak to our children, 
after they felt of our love and our sacrifice for them, our words carry far more weight, okay? Or they should. And when we sacrifice and and when we give and offer of ourselves, you know, in an altruistic way for this rising generation, what happens is this invisible umbilical cord that's always connected to our children, it's just strengthened and strengthened and strengthened. And when we speak and when we say, hey, I'm worried about you, I want you to consider this, or please don't do this thing. I love you. They feel it. They know it. Absolutely. And so that influence is there and it's generational. And so perhaps that kind of social change that everybody's clamoring for, it's so immediate and it's so um, people want change and they want it now. But what they don't understand is that true and the most generative and sustainable change happens generationally. And the gatekeepers of that generational change are mothers and women because of our sacrifice for the rising generation. And if we can only understand that and step into that power, you know, I just, that is my one wish for all of the world is that women understood that power from the very get-go that no one can take that away, that we simply have to step into that with linked arms together and that we have to trust in that kind of power that is, you know, that tether to to our children. Absolutely. One of the things that I absolutely love that you addressed is this linking arms together. Motherhood Mm -hmm. in all of its beauty and all of its connection can be very difficult at times. Um, And I think at times we either try to, we, as most conversations go, we'll swing to both sides of the pendulum. We will talk about the beauty and the amazing connection and these cool moments. Or we see on the opposite side where we talk about just the hardship and the struggle and the sacrifice of self and the giving up of dreams and the, and the, and the, and the. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this beautiful middle of both realities exist. Yeah. Like my life right now is drastically different because I'm a mother than it would have been without children in both positive and sacrificing ways. And I love this idea of linking arms together because through this struggle, through these joys, through this experience of motherhood, we have or should have sisters in our lives. We should have aunties. We should have grandmothers. There should be this intergenerational connection. And whether that occurs in a biological family where you stay close to that family center or you create that, I think it is of a vast importance to have multiple different ages of women leading and guiding and holding hands together as we rise these precious, precious children into, into those ranks, bringing them up as they then create their own life. And we kind of step back into the roles of aunties or grandmas, Mm -hmm. but there's so much value in having, having the sisterhood. I mean, that's something that I personally encourage. And we as big ocean encourage, get more involved, make sure you're not alone in the trenches of motherhood because with the joy that is there, there are struggles. Um, that is that is the experience of life, is this death and rebirth process and struggles that turn into compost. If you haven't heard that reference, go back and listen to our la- one of our last episodes. Um, but it really is like this very, can be this very challenging experience, as can be menstruation. Like we've talked about the beauties of it, but that's not in denial of the fact that there is a large majority of the population of women in the world that have not always had that honoring, both in the menstruation process 
in the creation process and the intimacy, like the intimacy, intimacy experiences and sexual experiences. Like we also live in a world where that's not honored. Oh, and we acknowledge that. Um, but I'm here to say, like, I also want to acknowledge the fact that everyone in this world will be victimized. Like that is something that happens in our world, whether it's sexually, whether it's through this reproductive process of being a female, um, whether it's in another violent manner or other manners. But we as individuals, as independent actors, have the choice to be a victim and, and or to grow from that experience and to take that experience and say, you know what, I am going to make it better. I'm going to make it better for me. I'm going to make it better for my kids. Mm -hmm. I want more. And the more women that stand up and say enough is enough. Statistically, we have one in three women, which I think is a low statistic here in the U.S. that have experienced sexual abuse. The more women talk about it in a positive, productive way, in a building way, in a way that says, you know what, this is our, our lived realities, but we're going to stand together and we're going to expect better from the people in our lives. We're going to expect better from each other. We're going to expect... We're going to expect our sisters to have our back. We're going to expect us to have accountability. Um, and as we do that in positive generational ways, um, as much as we, we can talk about the Me Too movement, like that wasn't generational. And we need generational solutions that are really going to shift the reality of our, our lived experiences to what we're talking about right now, which is this honoring of the procreative power, honoring mm -hmm. of motherhood, honoring of being a woman and the biological reality of what that is so that yeah. our daughters live in that reality. So our granddaughters and our great-granddaughters live in that reality. Mm -hmm. But that starts with us. That yeah. starts with those hard conversations. That starts with us stepping out of being a victim and stepping up to an empowered place of generative solutions to right. bring this reality to the table. And I think that what's happened, you know, when there's a pain, you know, or, or some form of violent affliction that's put on a woman, um, that pain can be extremely difficult. And, um, and from that pain, I think that it can spark like an anger and a kind of desire for change. But what tends to happen in movements is that they want to keep people there. And so that anger just keeps getting fueled and refueled and refueled. And it's, we've talked about this in the past where it's a re-traumatization of, you know, the violence. And so as Absolutely. big ocean women, our desire is to, yes, understand the reality of what that is, but use that as fertile ground to grow something greater. And well, everyone has their timeline and their process for healing, but at some point the healing has to occur, you know, and we can use that, that, you know, struggle and, you know, that, the challenge to to cultivate a fertile soil for something greater. And I think Absolutely. that that's what the word sacrifice really embodies is that, you know, you're setting something aside for something greater in the future. And that's a hope-driven thing. That's a faith-filled thing um, that, that, you know, a kind of culture that we really want to grow in Big Ocean Women. So. One of my favorite quotes is from a man named Viktor Frankl. He is a highly quoted author um, and psychoanalyst from originally from Germany. He actually survived the World War II um, concentration camps there as a Jew. And he talks in his book about what it means to maintain a sense of freedom, even in the most 
um, captivative situations in our in our world in our life. And one of his quotes is, "Everything can be taken from a man or a woman, um, but one thing: the last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way." Mm-hmm. And that ultimately is what it is like. We have to make that choice if we are to grow from it. Um, and that is the beauty of this maternal, the maternal tendency, this maternal biology. Like every single month as female women, as human females, we experience this menstruation, this death, this shedding of the lining to what can be the creation of new life. Mm-hmm. And every single month we're reminded of that sacrifice, of that laying down of the old for the rejuvenation of creation. I love that. Beautifully said, Kim. That's good. And so it's, if, if that is not what it means to be a woman, the ability to grow from pain, the ability to create, the ability to see and d- develop influence for, for generations. Um, I know I still, I love my great grandma um, because I hear about her. I hear stories about her. I love my grandma who my children are getting to now know, thankfully. And it's, they still talk about her. Like she lives in Utah. We don't see her frequently, but they talk about her. And both of my daughters are named after grandmothers because of the value that this intergenerational connection brings to human existence. I want them to remember that they're not alone, that not only did they come from my body, but they were created in the body of my mother when I was a fetus, when I was in her womb. Yeah. And if they can remember that there's like so much more to gener- to life than just the struggles that they're experiencing, the injustices that they face, that you know, even the beauties of life, and the good times, if they can understand that it's way more than that because of the biological reality that we exist within, this intergenerational, this, this sacrifice, these, the shoulders upon the people that we truly have come to live on because of the sacrifices they've made. You know, that's We both live in the reality of creating that for our generational future as well as living off that off the shoulders of our past. And I am so grateful for the feminine nature of my foremothers. Um, I'm grateful for the the, na- the nurturing of the women in my life, regardless of the circumstances and the highs and in the lows. And I am so grateful for this intergenerational connection that I'm continuing to pass on to my daughters. You know, it doesn't it doesn't pass me by when I'm talking to my daughters and I look at them. There are moments, Carol, where I look at them and I realize that they are holding potentially my grandchildren within them, mm. and what I'm doing will have generational impact. If I am kind, if I am loving, if I am engaging, like that will be passed on to my grandchildren. So the way that it was passed on from my grandmother to my mother to now me. And that's one thing that I've tried to bring up too, is like setting aside the idea for your own selfishness or self-gratification. Because if you rob your children of their childhood, they have to relive their childhood at some point. And it's likely that they might, you know, be living their childhood in adulthood thus robbing their children of their childhood. And so I feel like if we can reverse that and let's say, let's say that injustices were done upon us in our childhood where we didn't really have the magical, peaceful, you know, space and environment to grow and to have these precious childhood moments. Maybe it wasn't safe. If we can offer that to our children, okay, by by some form of sacrifice, then in some beautiful, you know, kind of psychological way, we are 
um, nurturing ourselves in our children. Does that make sense? Oh, and absolutely. It's actually like it's so <laughs> I remember that. So true. Like, isn't there some form of healing? Like me, little Carol. Like when I offer something to my children that maybe I didn't have, it heals me in the past. It's this crazy. Oh, 100%. Experience. Oh, and 100%. It, it fills your heart and it satisfies you in ways that you never imagined. If you'll yep. just try it out, if you'll just try it out and, and put your own adult version a little bit in the background and focus on the nurturing of these little spirits now, it heals you in the past in a much yeah. better way than you enacting in whatever selfish desire you have in the moment. It does right. more for you. And so I, that's kind of my plea to all mothers. And yeah, we're in the trenches. And yes, it's hard. But just know that your children will never get another childhood. And that you are the one that can facilitate and create that for them. And thus healing your past self. Yeah. And if you can do that, then your grandchildren will be better off and and just generationally, it'll incrementally just heal and heal and heal and heal. And I think Absolutely. that we can do that really with the power of the divine, with God above. You know, we can dig deep and we can offer that to our children. Well, and it's beautiful. I remember before I became a mom, this idea of being able to be a kid again and wanting to be a kid again. We all have trauma in our childhood. And I, more than most, have like been blessed with amazing family and amazing home situation. But I think there's part of us all as humans that want to be children again. And I figured, how cool is it as a mom, I get to relive my childhood as a mother. I get to go to park at 3 o'clock in the afternoon at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I'm not the weirdo that's sitting at a park at 11 o'clock. I'm the cool mom on the block. I get to paint with my hands in the middle of the day and bake cookies and do all these things that like a child would want to do. And as long as I facilitate them for my child, my own children, I get to relive that. I get to experience that. And I think that's one of the joys of motherhood is that if we do have healing from the past, it comes from feeding into our children. Carol, as you're saying, like we re relive that, we rewrite that, we create those experiences that we wanted to have if we fully engage in motherhood. And I guess that's really our plea today um, is that we acknowledge the struggles of motherhood. We acknowledge the reality of what human, of feminine biology is. We acknowledge that it's not always perfect, but we do also want to stand on the stage and say that healing is possible. There is joy in motherhood. There is intergenerational healing that occurs when we fully engage with the process of our biology into the creation of children, into the raising, the rearing of these children. I mean, it, it is absolutely just a beautiful thing with all of the struggles that come with it and with all the joys that come with it and the reality of what it is and the reality of these lived experiences. It is beautiful. It's worth it. It's worth it. And it's so awesome to link arms together and build that, that, you know, fabric of support which um, if society continues to devalue women and mothers, then we become so isolated that it becomes unbearably hard. But if we collectively say, no, this is important to me. My home is important to me. My children are important to me. My husband and partner are important to me. Um, and my mother and my aunties and my grandmothers. And then you start to rebuild and remend that fabric of support. And then the work becomes harmonious and beautiful. And not so, you know, I don't know, alone. You just feel 
you know, empowered together. So I think that's the work that Big Ocean is doing. We invite you to be a part of it with us um, and catch us on our next episode. We're going to be talking about fathers next month. So you won't want to. I'm so excited. Yeah. Feminists for fathers. If you're a maternal feminist, then you automatically understand the value of fathers and their role in society. So join us for that episode. Wonderful. Carol, it's been a pleasure. Love you, my friend. Love you, my friend. Together in the trenches. (laughs) Together in the trenches. Right. It's a good word. You have been listening to Currents, a podcast by Big Ocean Women. You can find us on the internet at bigoceanwomen.org, on Instagram, and on Facebook. We are each one powerful drop in a big ocean of change. Join us in one of our local chapters, Waves, or Women Achieving Vast Empowerment. Our music is First Rain by Ian Post. Editing and production is by Fifth East Productions. Please join us again next week for in-depth discussion about interesting ideas and about people who are trying to make a difference in their communities.